Well, good morning, church. Uh, such a pleasure uh, and a privilege to be able to, to speak with you today. And uh, just thank you so much to Pastor Danny for allowing the opportunity. Today is a nation all over the place. We remember. We remember. That's a big word, remember. And it, a lot of times it gets us into trouble. When I was in high school, college, it was, did I remember to do my homework? If you've got kids, it's, do you, do you remember to put on your deodorant? Did you remember to brush your teeth? The scariest question that you can ever be asked, husbands, is by your wives. Do you remember what today is? Right? Did you remember to take your medicine? Did you remember to lock the doors? Did you remember to zip your pants? That's how you check that real quick. <laughs> Belt buckle, yep, we're good. Did you remember to pick up the kids? I thought you had it. We forget stuff all the time. That's why it's important for us to remember. And there are certain times that we not only remember, but we, we really can't forget. We can never forget. There are instances and situations that are so etched into our memories that it is impossible for us to be able to let them out of our memories. You've, you've heard people who have come from a, a dark, deep hurt, abuse, pain in the past, and they'll say, I've been able to forgive, but I can never what? Forget. Our memories are powerful things. I, I remember whenever I was growing up, I would hear stories as my parents and different people would talk about where they were when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. How many of you guys remember when that happened? I remember whenever I was in the fourth grade, 1986, I was sitting in a classroom and it was a big deal because they brought a television in and gathered all the classes up together so that we could watch the Space Shuttle Challenger. And I remember the, the teachers didn't know what to do. They watched this disaster happen and it was like the, the, the people that were on live TV, they didn't know what to say. So they turned it off and we tried to go on about our day, but it was like something was terribly, terribly wrong. I remember 15, I remember 15 years ago today. I remember I was dropping Emily off. She was just like a couple of months old. I was dropping her off to babysitters for the day and walked in, you know, just do, 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 do. And, the television was on and Don said, have you seen what's happening? No, what's going on? Uh, there was a plane that they think it was just a commercial plane just flew into one of the World Trade Center towers. And so I stood there in their living room and we watched and Emily and, and Grace were just kind of doodling around there, not having any idea what was going on. And then the second tower, there was another plane and it was like, what is going on here? I bet if I asked you, you could remember exactly what you were doing, exactly where you were, exactly who you were with. You could remember all the surrounding events of 15 years ago today. It just seems like yesterday. It, does, it seems like there's no way that 15 years have passed. You know what I realized this week? I realized that everyone who remembers, really remembers the events of that day has already graduated high school. Man, is that not, is that not strange? 15 years. I remember the things that went along with it. I remember the, the images of the people that were jumping from the towers. 
I remember watching the, the different newscasters, and they were trying to figure out and put different puzzle pieces together. I remember the images later on of, of President Bush with the, with the megaphone. You guys remember that? When he was, he was talking to the group of, of heroes, of rescuers, and somebody says, we can't hear you. And everybody kind of chuckled for a little bit, and he says, but I can hear you. I remember watching the first First Saturday Night Live. After that happened, and they're all there. And the nation was still in fear, and they were like, are we going to be able to make it? I remember Chris Farley, he said, he, there was like a, a fireman that was walking down the hall, and he was like, hey man, thanks a lot. And he patted him, and he said, dust just flew off of his jacket. And he said, I realized that that's the coat he was on. The coat that he was wearing when the disaster happened. And all of those images and things are burned deep into our memories. The image of that cross that was at the base of the towers that fell in just perfect. You see a, an image of right there on the screens. Maybe not. I see it. Y'all don't. Y'all will see it later. I remember as they talked about how people looked to that cross and it was uh, like this source of hope at the bottom and the base of this disaster to look to the cross. I remember all the heroes. A few years ago, Sarah and I were on a, on a we had taken a trip to New York City and we got, we did one of the city tours on the buses and we were all excited and they were showing us everywhere and we got to this, this spot and we had gone through and here and in and out and all that kind of stuff. We got to this spot and we were overlooking as they were finishing the, uh, the reflecting pools as the footprint of the Twin Towers and we're overlooking this and our tour guide who was a lifelong New Yorker, man, he got, he got emotional as he began to describe the events and the things that the church that was cl so close, that was unscathed, that didn't have a mark on it, that people would go to, it became a triage center for rescue. They would rescue those who were perishing right there in the church. They would care for the dying right there in that church. He talked about that cross that was there and how people came and they would pray as they didn't know if their loved one had made it or not. And then I remember he told a story about a man named Stephen Siller. You see, in events and tragedies that have deep disaster, we also see pictures of heroes. Stephen Siller was Brooklyn Fire Department. He was, he was out of Squad One, and he had just finished a 24-hour shift. He was on his way. Tuesday morning to play golf with his brothers. He had just gotten through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel and uh, was on his way, and he heard on his scanner that something had happened at the World Trade Center. So he called his wife and he says, tell my brothers that I'm going to be a little bit late. I'm going to go see if I can help. So he drove back to the fire department, back to Squad Run, and he got his gear and he jumped in the truck and he ran back to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. But when he got there, it had already been closed down for security purposes. So he strapped on 60 pounds of gear and he ran through the tunnel over the bridge. He was last seen on West Street. He gave his life trying to rescue others. 
This morning, over 30,000 people in New York City ran that exact same route to remember the sacrifice. I think one reason that we, we seek and we love those stories of heroes is because it's our story. We look to those heroes and we thank those heroes. As a matter of fact, if you're here today in your fire department, first responder, EMS, police, any of that kind of stuff, would you stand just for a second? Any of these people that stood would have done the exact same thing. Isn't that amazing? Stephen Siller's life motto was, while we still have time, let us do good. And he did. Unbelievable. The story of the gospel, the good news, it's a story of urgency. We want to remember that. When we remember September 11th, we, we need to remember two things. Number one thing that we need to remember is that the disaster and tragedy of that day should cause us to remember what sin does. And sin destroys. But when we see the heroes that step into that disaster to rescue others, we should remember what Jesus does. Jesus saves. And those are the things that we're going to look at today. We can look all throughout the Bible. As I was just trying to think, what am I going to, where am I going to come out of? Stories of hope and disaster, different things. It's not very far that you have to go to find stories of disaster. You can look at Noah, Daniel, and the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, Jonah, Elijah, David. You can find disaster and need of rescue all throughout the Scripture. But we're going to go to the book of Judges today. It's one of my favorite books in all the Old Testament. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Judges, go to chapter 21. We're going to look at one verse. I'll give you a little background while, while, while we're going on. Judges is this crazy book that most of it's going to make the Jerry Springer show look like Sesame Street, really. I mean, these guys are in some serious disaster, and it stems from they continually forget God. They walk away from God. Moses has led the people to the promised land, then Moses dies. Joshua takes over, he takes the people into the promised land, and he lives and they, he leads, and then Joshua dies. And when Joshua dies, the people say, who is going to lead us now? And then they start to forget. And they don't do as their fathers did. And they don't do as their grandfathers did. And guys, can I tell you something today? You may be sitting here and you may have had a dad that served the Lord, and you may have had a grandfather that served the Lord, but that doesn't guarantee you anything. Dads, grandpas, just because you serve the Lord today, that doesn't guarantee. There is no, every single person we have the choice to make whether or not we're going to follow God or whether we're, we're going to be destroyed. So this is the last book, the last verse in the book of Joshua, or Judges, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, basically summarizes the entire book of Judges. And it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Can I tell you something that today, your greatest, your greatest source of disaster in your life is not going to be 
probably from terrorism. It's going to be from you doing what's right in your own eyes. It's going to be from me getting my own way. Because my way doesn't, it doesn't always go along with what God wants. It's, it's our selfish ambitions, our selfish desires. We forget God and we do what we want. I think it was uh, President Jefferson that said, if you could kick in the pants the person responsible for most of the, of the trouble in your life, you wouldn't sit down for a week. Man, that is exactly true. We, we cause it. Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, they did what was right in their own eyes. The Israelites did what was right in their own eyes. King David did what was right in his own eyes. You do what was right in your own eyes, and I do what's right in my eyes when we forget God. It's so frustrating to make those bad decisions, even though we know the right thing to do. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul says this, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Is anybody tracking with Paul there? Man, I, I identify that guy. And it's so frustrating. Like, even when I want to do the right thing, like the other day, I got so mad. Like, I'd ordered this egg white and spinach and kale omelet, and it turned out just to be regular donuts. It's frustrating when I want to do the right thing, but I just, man, I just can't. And we get ourselves into this trouble, and it's not that we want to, we just seem to like, I can't keep from it. We need to remember who we really are. We need to remember what sin really does to us, and we really need to remember that Jesus came to save. We can't rescue ourselves from sin. The Old Testament goes through great and grievous detail to show us that there is no one capable of rescuing us from sin. There is not a rescuer available, but there is one on the way. That's why we love stories like this. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all these epic sagas, they have the same theme in mind. There's tragedy, rescue, salvation, heroes, hope. It's because this is the narrative of the Bible, that we're hopeless in the disaster that we live in, but a hero steps in to save the day, to come to the rescue. And just in the nick of time, our hero steps onto the scene, born as a baby in Bethlehem. Not like we thought, not like they expected a hero to be born, but that's how he came. And this hero was not only, he not only knew that we needed rescued, he not only had the desire to rescue us, but he had the ability to save us from our sins. Do you remember? I want us to remember what Jesus offers us rescue from. He offers us rescue from the punishment of sin. If you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus offers us rescue from the punishment of sin. When Christ died on the cross, he took on himself and paid for the punishment for the sins that you and I had earned. He paid sin's debt for us. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what we need to understand about death here is, is, is a couple things. There are two ways that the Bible uses the word death. One is our physical body stops, stops working and we die. They put us in the ground, we have a funeral. 
That's one way. The other, the other way that the Bible describes death is, is separation from God. It's a spiritual death. That we, have, that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins, and we cannot come to God because of that. But when Jesus died, he died our death. The sin that we had earned earned us death, and Jesus came to the rescue, and he paid what we owed, and he offers us eternal life in him. And I've, I'm sure you've heard along the way, as I grew up, man, I remember, I remember hearing preachers, they would talk about coming to Jesus and, 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 and talking about heaven, and they'd preach, man, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? And it was a lot of emphasis on heaven. And heaven is great, but listen, heaven is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. Listen, you would think I was an idiot if I went to Disney World to go visit the gift shop. I'm, you're missing the whole point. There's so much more than is there. It's the same way with heaven. Heaven is great. We're, I mean, I can't, it's, I can't imagine how good it's going to be, but the part of heaven that makes it awesome is because that's where we get to be with Jesus forever. We don't come to heaven, we don't come to Jesus to get heaven. We come to Jesus to get Jesus. He is the gift. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So do you believe in Jesus this morning? I mean, really believe. I mean, believe enough to act on it. Have you asked him to forgive your sin and be your Savior? Has Jesus rescued you from the eternal punishment of sin? Because I can guarantee you three things today. He wants to. He can, and he will rescue you from the punishment of sin. But there is more. I feel like Billy Mays. There's more. Wait for only 1995. No, no, no. It gets even better than that. We not only get rescued from the punishment of sin, but for the rest of our life, from the point that we're saved, we are continually being rescued from the power of sin in our lives, the power that leads us to disaster. It's called the process of sanctification. When you're saved, God puts his spirit in you and in me. And so now we've got this awesome process that we see salvation. It just, it just isn't a free ticket to heaven. And it isn't just fire insurance to keep us out of hell. That's what a lot of people think. But man, that's not, it's so much more. In the process of sanctification, we begin to be more like Jesus. We begin to live the life that Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to have a full life. He wants you to live the best life that you can possibly live. He wants you to fulfill the mission that he has on earth, but you have a part to play in this also. The reason that men like Stephen Siller did what they did is because they were prepared. They were ready to do it. Rescue was second nature to them because they had trained. They were ready. They, they put in the time on the front end. They put it into practice whenever it happened. James would say to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And today all over the United States, there's going to be churches that have gatherings that are just like this, that are, the people are going to be sitting there just like you. And basically a lot of people are professional sermon listeners. And they listen. Man, that's good. That was encouraging. Oh, man, that preacher, you got me right there. Stepped on my toes a little bit there. And then they just go home and they forget. Going about, you know, head of Rudy's. We'll see you next week. 
And let me tell you something. If, if that's all that you're getting of Jesus, you can never expect to beat this power of sin in your life. If the only thing that you know of Jesus is what someone standing in a pulpit tells you about him, you're not going to be prepared to, to battle the, the great foe of sin that every single one of us, we have a power inside us if you've been saved to do the right thing. The Holy Spirit gives us that power. But don't expect to have the power to overcome sin if you're constantly feeding your flesh. Don't expect to overcome sin if you're not, if you're not feeding your spiritual man, your spiritual woman. If you're not spending time praying, if you're not spending time in the Word of God, you're not going to win that battle. You know, we've got to set, tr- I've got to set triggers for myself, reminders. You know, we're talking about remember today. I, I remind myself stuff. I've got reminders on my phone so that whenever I have an appointment or a meeting or something like that, I set an appointment. I set a reminder. So it pops up the day before and then it pops up 30 minutes before and then it pops up 15 minutes before. Do you know why? Because I know myself. I forget. So I've got to be reminded constantly for that. At my house, we've got, some, we've got some triggers that remind us not to do dumb stuff. Like anything that you're about to do that starts with the words, hey, y'all, watch this. No. Stop. We are not going to do that. If you're about to do something and you hear somebody say, make sure we get this on video. Stop. That's a don't do dumb stuff trigger. And guys... The people in the book of Judges, the Israelites, they needed triggers. They needed triggers. And, and we, we need these things in our lives to remind us to say, oh, 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 don't be stupid. And then sometimes it doesn't even work. You're going to forget. You're not going to do this perfectly. That's why it's a process. And it's the rest of our lives. We get to be more like Jesus for the rest of our lives. And if you've known the Lord for years and years and years, but you don't really look any different than you did whenever you first started, you got a problem. There's something wrong. You need to be working on that process. Remember, remember what, ha- what happened. What did I do? Where did I go wrong? Where did I walk away from God? What do I need to do to say, God, I want to get back with you again? You're going to forget because God doesn't expect perfection. That's the good news. Man, I screw up, and if you're like me, man, you're really hard on yourself. Stupid idiot. Like Samson. You know, you read stories in the Bible like Samson, and you're like, dude, can you not figure out what's going on here? Like, first time I ever saw it, I was like, don't do, Samson, don't tell her. Don't tell her the secret. She's trying to get you. It's so frustrating whenever we read these accounts of these Old Testament people and we want them to do the right thing and we want them to do the right thing and then they're like, ah, come on. And then I take a big mirror and I turn it around and look at myself. I'm like, oh my goodness. You're a bigger idiot than they are. You blow it all the time. And then I see that God still uses them. And God still says, no, 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 come on. Come on. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to, that we just kind of get freed from the consequences of stuff that we do, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm saved. I remember when it happened, I was there. I asked Jesus to save me, to forgive my sins, to give me a home in heaven. And at that moment, whenever I asked him, he did. He made me part of his family. I became a child of God. I became a part of the family of God. 
And he didn't make me perfect at that point. I still screw up. I didn't get superpowers. I was kind of hoping for them. Didn't happen. And you know what? If I go out, if I climb the ladder right here and I get up on top of the big, big dome up here and I decide that I'm going to jump off, right? First of all, I would hope that one of you guys would have a remember to don't do dumb stuff trigger and I would hear, hey, get this on tape and stop. But say I didn't and I jump off and it was like one of those things, as soon as I jumped, I immediately regretted that decision. And on my way down, I was like, Lord, I just blew this big time. Would you please forgive me? Is God going to forgive me? Absolutely. Am I still going to have to go to the hospital? <laughs> Absolutely. God's not going to suspend the laws of gravity on my behalf. He forgives me, but I still have to live. We still live in a fallen world. We still live in a broken world, and we have to live in the rules that God set up during this time. So don't expect to be perfect. Expect to be progressing. And we're never going to live a full life. We're never going to live the life that God wants us to unless we're living on mission. We've got to remember what mission is. Stephen Siller, the, the fire department, the New York guys, man, all those guys, they had a mission of rescue, and we do too. Jesus invites us, after he saves us from the, from the punishment of sin, as he's saving us continually from the power of sin in our lives, he invites us and he says, hey, I want you to go from being the rescued to joining me on the mission of rescuing others. And what a cool deal. You know, one of, the, one of the great things about talking to somebody about Jesus is we've got the same problem. Man, you know why you can't, you can't, you know why your life's a wreck? Because mine was too. Because sin, it kills us. I know because I was there. But I know how to get out. See, if there's a disaster happened and somebody made it out, you know who the best person to talk to about how to make it out is? The person who actually made it out. That's what it, that's what it means to be a rescuer, is to be able to tell others how to make it out. There are plenty that need rescue. Did you, did you guys know that Texas is the fastest growing state in America? 400,000 people a year move to Texas. You know, the second fastest is almost 300,000 behind that. People are coming to Texas. Do you know there's like 20 some, 26, 27 million people that live in the state right now? And it's estimated that about 18, 19 million of those don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people that need rescued. A lot of people that they need to start with just being rescued from the punishment of sin. The state that we live in is home to over 400 people groups, which also makes it the most diverse state in the nation. Isn't that crazy? Houston, that area, has got like 300 people groups in it. It's nuts. People are all over the world, all different religions, all different backgrounds, all different creeds, and they come right here in our state. And we have the opportunity to rescue, to join in what God is doing. Why aren't we going to be taking steps to plant a church in pockets of people that are moving to this area? Because, because people need rescue. We want to rescue the perishing. We want to make disciples. 
Why is it important that we take mission trips to Boston and Burbank and Washington and Haiti, Hawaii, and many places in the world that we can't talk about? Because we're on mission to rescue the perishing, to make disciples of the nation. There's an old song, an old hymn that you might, you might remember. Here's what it says. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep over the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way. Patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer a Savior has died. You know what the message that we carry is? There was a hero that stepped on the stage to rescue you and me. Can I encourage you to remember one thing today before we leave? Can I encourage you to remember that the world needs Jesus? That on that day when 2,793 people from 87 different countries died in the World Trade Center, many of them died needing Jesus. Those disasters that are etched in our memories that we can never forget, man, can we remember that there are, there are people that step from this life into the next They slip the surly bonds of earth and step into a new world. And that world can either be great and glorious for those who know Jesus, or it can be eternal disaster for those who don't. Will you join in the rescue? Jesus not only saves us from the punishment of sin, he not only saves us in process from the power of sin, but one day, One day, when either we die or he comes back for us, he will save us from the very presence of sin. That sin will no longer have any any hold on us. My flesh nature, I won't have to fight it. I won't have to set those triggers anymore because it will be defeated. Can anybody else hear that? Okay, I just wanted to let you guys know that I can hear it too. So stay with me. We We got one last thing and we're done. For everybody who knows him, eternity is going to be sweet. But today, if you don't know him, man, let me, let me tell you some good news. The gospel is for you. Jesus came to rescue us from, your, from our sin, from my sin, from your sin. So maybe this morning, you need to do some remembering. Maybe you need to make a memory today of the day that you asked Jesus to forgive your sins and to save you. If you don't know Jesus today, in just a minute, we're going to have some men up here at the front. And we're going to all stand together. We're going to sing. And if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, you say, I need to know, I need to, I need to be rescued from my sin because it's destroying my life and eventually it's going to destroy my eternity. And they would love to talk with you. Some men and some ladies will be here. Maybe you need to just remember the greatness of God this morning. Maybe you need to remember a time that God seemed closer than he does today. Maybe you're just like those 
Israelites in the book of Judges. You continually wander away from God. And you need to look at where you are and the disaster that's around you and say, I need to repent. I need to come back. God, please save me. Rescue me from this situation. Rescue me from the mess that I've made in my life. I want to come back to you. Maybe you need to remember what God's done for you. Just take some time. Say, look, look back on your life. What has God done? Where has he brought you? Maybe you need, to remember, you need to remember what he wants you to do. Maybe you're in a disaster right now of another kind. Maybe it's a, you're, you've got a battle going on with, with sickness. Maybe you're, you're fighting addiction. Maybe you're, you're struggling in your marriage and you're fighting to keep it afloat, but it seems like disaster is imminent. Maybe you're fighting against another battle of, of past abuse that you can't get past. Maybe you're fighting against something that happened in your family long ago, something that you've not been able to, to forget. It's etched in your memory and it seems like it's always bringing you down. Today, would you cry out to Jesus? Would you remember what he's done? Would you just say, God, would you please rescue me? I don't know what you need to remember this morning. But this past week, man, God showed me a lot of stuff that I need to remember. A lot of things that I need to, to put some triggers in my life. Those dumb stuff triggers to keep me making wise decisions and not be like how I want to be. I want to do what's right in my own eyes every day. I struggle with that. I say, that's, that's human. But Jesus gives us the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today that you, you saw the disaster that we were in And you did something about it. You stepped into our lives, into our world to offer us a rescue from sin. More that you constantly are there providing us the power to overcome the battle that we fight every single day with our flesh, with our own desire to do what's right in our own eyes. God, I thank you that you came to save, that you came to seek and to save those who are lost. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone who's here today God, I'm sure there is, who doesn't know you. And I pray that you would draw them, that they would come to the rescue, that they would cry out. Because, Lord, you hear. You hear us. You hear our cry. God, would you make us more like you? In Jesus' name.